Welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. So I uh, did not intend to talk about this today, but uh, after my Twitter feed was engulfed with references to Game of Thrones, I decided I'd take a little detour and uh, address this today. And honestly, I'm really surprised and shocked that I need to talk about this. I expect pagans to act like pagans, and I expect unbelievers to hate the light. Uh, Of course, as John 3.19 says, and this is the judgment, the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. I expect unbelievers to love the darkness, but what has surprised me uh, is the obsession about this TV series in so-called Christian circles. Uh, I have not watched a single episode of Game of Thrones. I have not watched a single scene of Game of Thrones. I have not searched for a single image of Game of Thrones. And in case it uh, needs mentioning, I don't need to have watched a single second of this show in order to be able to make the commentary that I'm about to make. Uh, Watching the show, uh, for me, is absolutely irrelevant for what I'm about to uh, discuss. I also don't know what the show is about. I have not read any articles that discuss the storyline. I've only seen the headlines of what other people have posted uh, from what I can tell, it seems like the show has a, a riveting plot. Uh, a lot of people are interested in it. Perhaps maybe from a production standpoint, people are acknowledging how well done um, it is, the storyline, whatever. Uh, for whatever reason, a lot of people are drawn uh, to it. But, but here's what I do know. I do know that the series contains numerous repeated graphic, and sometimes violent sexual encounters. And uh, as I said, I expect the world to act like the world, but Christians have no business getting anywhere close to this. And I'm surprised that I even have to argue that point, but I do. And yet, um, I also want to acknowledge that I'm going to lean on the Holy Spirit to convict as we always ought to do. And and at the end of the day, uh, I think you know and everyone knows that they really should not be watching. I I think we all know that. Um, We tend to argue against that sometimes, but I think everyone knows that. But nevertheless, I do want to list out a few observations that may be helpful as uh, this is uh, a big thing in uh, in our culture right now. Uh, First off, if you believe that it's okay to watch this series with all of its nudity and graphic sexual encounters, you would have to also believe that it would be okay to go over to your neighbor's home and pay to have them uh, watch them have a sexual encounter. Because unlike war scenes in movies, these actors are actually doing what you're seeing. When someone dies in a war movie, they don't actually die. You're not paying to watch people really kill each other. 
But when someone has sex on the TV screen, they actually do have sex. In fact, it's worse than um, the, the scenario of paying to watch your neighbors because on the screen, they're actually committing adultery. Uh, these people are not even married to one another, and yet they are acting out exactly what they are told to act out in these various scenes. When you watch a show, you are giving them a vote saying that you want them to produce more things like that. I like this is what you're saying every time you watch a show and keep doing what you're doing to produce these kind of things and I'll keep paying you to produce this kind of thing. And, and what you're voting for is you are voting for them to hire people who are unmarried and pay them to have sex together in front of a camera. That's what you're voting for. That's what you're paying for. You are paying for adultery to happen. And you say, well, uh, that eliminates so many shows and movies. And to which I respond, I know. 99.9% uh, of the entertainment that's available out there never finds its way into our home. Uh, if you are going to be a Christian, you need to be intentional about what you view on the screen. Men, would you rejoice if your wife played a role on this show? Women, would you rejoice knowing that your husband played a role on this show where he had to have explicit, violent, regular sexual encounters with other women? Jesus said we need to declare war on this kind of stuff. Matthew 5, 28 through 29 Jesus says this, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. It's no use saying that you can watch this kind of stuff and not be affected by it. Uh, I've heard that there are online communities which review the best sex scenes of the series and discuss, you know, the sex scenes that you can't unsee. And and that's right. I mean, you can't unsee this stuff. These scenes are going to be logged away in your memory for years, probably decades. Is that what we are to do according to Philippians 4.8? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You are literally feasting on sewage. You are eating out of a dumpster of moldy trash. You are feasting on everything that Christ redeemed you from, and yet you go back to the septic tank to taste it again. And I know that I've used this Lewis quote before, but it's pertinent to this situation. C.S. Lewis says this, quote, Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased, end quote. We are pleased by sin. We are pleased to sit in a slum making mud pies, and yet we desire cultural revelation. Well, I'll get this right. We desire cultural relevance. We want to be applauded. Um, it's okay. 
In fact, it's good if if someone mentions something that is evil and we're ignorant of it. That's, that's what Romans 16 says. Um, Romans 16, 19 says this, I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is what is evil. The Bible says that with regard to what is evil, we are to be innocent. That is to say, we are to be kind of naive. We don't really know all the ins and outs of what is going on in uh, in the things that are evil, and and yet we reverse that. Uh, we can describe the inside of the septic tank with incredible detail, noting the colors and the smell and the size of the tank and how high the sewage is, but we can't memorize a Bible verse. We can't attend church regularly. Is God pleased with us? Is God really glad that this is what the culture looks like? Jesus saved us from this kind of behavior, and it's incredibly disheartening to hear that it's okay to do this kind of stuff because Jesus just gives grace. Oh, John, you just don't understand grace. Jesus gives grace for this kind of stuff. Paul explicitly rejects that self-serving philosophy in Romans 6, verses 1 through 2. He says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Not only that, but we learn that the gospel uh, not just justifies, but sanctifies. Contrary to the popular view that grace gives me a license to sin, instead, grace pushes me to greater and greater holiness. We say, oh, I've got grace, so I can go ahead and sin. And the Bible says, no, you've got grace, and so you should go uh, increase your holiness. Titus 2, 11 to 14, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That's the justification part. And then you'll see that Paul switches to the sanctification part. So for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous of good works. There are so many statements in those few verses packed with a pursuit of holiness and a pursuit of good works and a, and, and a rejection of lawlessness and and leaving worldly passions and all those kinds of things, instead of being zealous for good works, what we tend to do is we tend to become zealous to pursue our own sexual fantasies, as this uh, TV series has revealed to us. And no doubt, I'm going to get accused of legalism for this podcast. And uh, this charge of legalism actually is an interesting charge. Uh, More often than not, the cry of legalism tells us less about grace and holiness and more about the person leveraging the charge. Uh, Most people who cry out legalism uh, are really just giving us their autobiography. We, We don't use that term legalism anymore like it's supposed to be used. Uh, legalism is a term which means that you're adding the works of the law as necessary requirements to your justification. And that's not what we're doing here. The way that legalism 
is used in popular Christianity is that anyone who has more standards than you is a legalist. And the point of reference is yourself in that case, not the Bible. You've actually, if that's your definition of legalism, if your definition of legalism doesn't come from the Bible, and instead anyone who has higher standards than you is automatically a legalist, then you have made it about you and not about God and not about the Bible. Which moral imperatives should we preach then? Only the ones you agree with? Only the ones I agree with? What's the standard? You, me, or the word? What about murder? Should we preach against that? Or is that legalism too? What's, what's legalistic and what's not legalistic? And unless we go to the Bible for the standard, we're going to be left in a sea of all kinds of people who think they're autonomous, and yet the word is that which has authority. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so you need to ask yourself whether or not this glorifies God. When we ask ourselves whether or not we like an action, we're asking the wrong question. We need to first be concerned about God and his will. And here's the last thing I'll say in this situation. What we need to do is we need to redeem and celebrate biblical sex as intended by God. It is good. It is designed by God, and we need to view it as such. It needs to be redeemed in our culture. God delights to give us this good gift. God created this. But adultery and lust and homosexuality and transgenderism and all of those sexual sins, they mar the good gift that God has given to us. You are undermining the joy of pure sex when you watch Game of Thrones and any other show like it. You need to have a no nudity policy when it comes to what you allow in your home. If you are watching Game of Thrones, you are robbing yourself of the God-given goodness of sex, and you are sowing seeds of discontentment in your own marriage bed. I would submit to us that people who can watch this series regularly and consistently with no nudge of your conscience at all, care absolutely nothing about holiness and care nothing about glorifying God. I, I'm, not, not, I'm not saying we, we can't fall into sin. I understand that. I'm saying if you can regularly, consistently, no nudge of the conscience, you watch this, I would suggest that you need to ask yourself, do I really care about holiness? Do I really care about God's glory? I would suggest that if that's you, all you care about is the approval of the world and satisfying your own flesh. And you need to ask yourself whether you are genuinely converted or not. But there is hope, as is always the case with God. And that hope is found in repentance and trust. Repent and return to him. He will forgive and he will welcome you home. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.